We're going to uh, transition our young people to the, um, they are flocking to Miss Whitney, uh, to our children's experience. Again, from children K through fifth grade, uh, we transition them out of this part of worship, uh, and then they come back during the fourth, or the third part. Uh, we're adding parts, in case you were wondering. Um, no, just the third part of worship. Um, and uh, we also have preschool care available um, outside by the coffee shop. Uh, as we, uh, let's collect our offering and tithes and offerings for the evening. We uh, thank you for all of your commitments. Shared with you last week just a couple great gifts that we received from outside our congregation. Uh, we continue to rely, of course, on your gifts, but on outside sources. Uh, and we'll share some more ideas that we have as we get into the year about how we can get through this first year of ministry uh, completely autonomous, uh, completely by ourselves, uh, with no outside financial support. Um, that, that's been promised. We'll get outside financial support, but uh, we'll have to work for it. That's the difference. Um, you know, it's just not coming to us from, from the sky. Uh, we actually have to do something to get it. Uh, but well, um, it, it, it's looking really good, and we're not going into January... Um, completely stressed out uh, like I thought we were going to be, um, but we're, uh, we're, we're doing well and we'll uh, continue to thank God for the blessings that we receive and the affirmations that we receive about our ministry and we continue to thank you for all of your gifts. So let's have a word of prayer as we uh, delve into our series, Love This Day, and into the Word of God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful time to gather together. We thank you that uh, we can do so openly and with grace uh, and with joy. We uh, just want to uh, extend your grace and your love to all of those outside of our community, those who uh, normally worship with us but cannot be here, those who are outside and yet we have not spoken your word of truth to. Help us now in this time of teaching, in this time of your word, to hear your word with new ears to experience it in a new way. That we may truly uh, delve into this topic, that we may truly uh, learn how to be better to one another, better to our partners, uh, and better to all of those uh, who we hope, everyone across this nation and this world, who will be part of the kingdom of God one day. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you once again to New Life. I'm Pastor Mark. Uh, and I also want to welcome all of those joining us online uh, through our podcast or uh, through our website. Uh, all of our sermons, of course, are available upon that. So we have been using the resource Love to Stay by Adam Hamilton. If you uh, haven't ordered it yet, feel free to uh, order it. It looks like this. You can get it at Amazon or Cokesbury. Love to Stay. Uh, focused on relationships, on marriage and on our commitment to one another. So last week, we introduced this series by defining what Christian marriage truly is. It is an agape partnership. When two people are committed to, uh, to one another with this type of uh, helping and companion relationship, uh, with this kind of sacrificial and selfless love that we call agape love, now, that's a beautiful mission and a beautiful vision for marriage. But we know it takes a lot more than that when we are living it day to day. I remind you that uh, the principles that we're teaching, we feel, apply to all relationships. Uh, but we are especially focused on marriage, Christian marriage in this series, uh, so that those of us who are married or 
who hope to be married or who will be married one day uh, can truly emphasize uh, this special relationship and share this uh, with our brothers and sisters in this world. So let's uh, turn to Philippians, if you have your Bibles with you. Uh, Philippians is in the New Testament. It's one of the letters after the Gospels. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Uh, the entire text will not be on the screen. I am doing that so that you'll start bringing your Bibles um, with you or your Bible apps or whatever you have. Uh, we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 5, uh, but I've emphasized at least one of the verses up there on the screen. So here are these words from uh, Philippians. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any sharing in the Spirit, any sympathy, complete my joy by thinking in the same way, having the same love, being united and agreeing with one another. Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility. Think of others better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Now our human condition, it's not our nature, I believe, but it is the condition that we live in, is to look out for number one. Now I think you can argue or make a good argument that one of the definitions of sin is to make a decision without thinking how it will affect other people or to do something irregardless of how it affects uh, your brothers and sisters, other people in the world, uh, especially your spouse. Now Paul reminds us, given this, that we must be humble. We must think of other people before we act. Now, that's not saying we can't follow our dreams or we can't follow our calling, but if we are hurting other people in the midst of doing even God's work, we've missed the point. So, Paul says, watch out for each other. Now, this has to be true especially in Christian relationships and especially in Christian marriage. We have to get each other's back. So let's explore ways we can watch out for what is better for one another. Now, uh, the resource Love to Stay uh, by Reverend Adam Hamilton uses a survey from the Church of, Resurre uh, Church of the Resurrection, uh, or CORE, in Leewood, Kansas. And this survey included um, over 5,000 participants nationwide uh, talking about some of these issues that we're going to be talking about. Uh, and I remind you, as with any tool, this is not a perfect tool, but it gives us some good insights into the topics we are talking about. So uh, I want to start... Uh, kind of this conversation about how we can uh, look out for each other, how we can look out for each other's needs and desires. Uh, by looking at single uh, individuals, uh, the survey included uh, responses from 1,000 single men and women, and they were asked what they wanted in a potential spouse. About 80% of them said they wanted to be married, uh, and all of them uh, wanted to be in a relationship uh, so they asked, what are the things that you are looking for? Uh, they broke it down by some age groups, uh, and then they kind of calculated the data. So I want to share a little bit. Um, and I'm doing that because we want to kind of know in our relationships what the other people are looking for. So these are single people, um, ages 19 to I think 90-something was the oldest, um, and, and what they're looking for in a potential spouse. Now, we'll start with men. Um, because maybe you can guess some of these answers first. Um, but we'll start with men. Uh, and, and the number one priority for men ages 19 through 49 
was honesty and trustworthiness. That's, it's on the, the screen behind me. The second priority was a woman with strong faith. Now, the majority of people who were surveyed were part of the church, but not all of them were. Um, so that kind of maybe skewed that a little bit. Um, this was followed by uh, attractive, intelligent, and fun with a sense of humor. Men over the age of 50 sought attractiveness as their top priority in a partner, uh, followed by honest, trustworthy, emotionally stable, strong faith, and fun with a sense of humor. Now you can interpret each of these um, qualities as you will, but I want to say one thing about attractiveness um, because uh, women uh, are constantly bombarded with what they are told is attractive by Hollywood, by the media, um, by all of the magazines that are made specifically for you, um, even just you know house you know uh, housekeeping kind of magazines that there's no reason to be uh, that kind of stuff, but it is constantly um, telling you what you should look like and what you should weigh and, and what you should wear and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, the, the people who did the survey went in a little deeper and asked men what they meant by attractiveness, and they found majoritively that men were talking about how women presented themselves, how they carried themselves, their general attitude, um, their positivity versus negativity, uh, their interest. Um, and, and so just kind of the, the attractiveness that uh, we give off, not just how we look, but really how we are as a, a people. And, and, and women also valued that, even though they, attractiveness will not come up on their survey. They also valued how men carried themselves, groomed themselves, uh, presented themselves and that. So uh, I, I just want to make sure that we affirm that. Uh, what women want. Uh, the top priority for women ages 19 through 49 was also honesty and trustworthiness. This was followed by a sense of humor, having fun, strong faith, intelligent, and a good communicator. When women above 50 also ranked honest trustworthiness as the number one priority in a potential mate. This was followed by strong faith, emotionally stable, good communicator, and fun with a sense of humor. Neither group listed attractiveness as the top five uh, qualities they sought in a partner, which is good for us as men because most of us don't fall into that category of particularly attractive. So it's a good, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think it is interesting that uh, between men and women, they were generally looking for similar qualities. Honesty and trustworthiness came up in all of them. A strong faith, intelligent, uh, having a sense of humor, being fun to be around. Those kind of things uh, came up in all of that. Uh, so, so those were from um, those folks who were not married. And now those of us who are married may not be looking for potential partners or should not be looking for potential partners, in case you had any questions about that. But... I think, as a spouse, I want to be the kind of man my wife is attracted to. And I think that maybe understanding some of this data uh, can make us kind of understand what maybe we were looking for before we got in a relationship. And now that we're in a relationship, how we can live out those qualities uh, so that we're truly still being desired by our partner uh, throughout our life. Uh, and... That being said, we don't always know what we want. And so we need to look a little bit uh, more 
about what we can do and how we can uh, share this kind of mutual respect and love for one another. So let's turn our attention to uh, three metaphors that I want to look at. And each of these metaphors, I believe, can equip us uh, with some ideas about how to watch out for each other, how to look for, uh, out for the betterment uh, of someone else besides our, our, ourselves, specifically in marriage, looking out for our spouse above ourselves. Now, the first um, metaphor is one you might be familiar with, and that is the five love languages. Uh, that was a very popular book back in the 90s by Gary Chapman, a wonderful book. If you've not read it, it's worth a read. And he pre- uh, represents um, our personal desires um, and, and how we express love in five different ways. He says, everyone wants to be loved, uh, and all of us want to be loved generally in one of these five ways. Now, we may all appreciate the five different love languages, but all of us want at least probably one or two of these more than all of the rest. So here are the five love languages, uh, if you haven't read the book. Words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Uh, These are ways that we express love and ways that we desire uh, for our partner to express love to us. So uh, Jennifer and I took the survey. You can actually go on uh, www the number five lovelanguages.com and you can take a survey you and your partner um, to see what your uh, priority in terms of love languages are. Uh, my number one love language is quality time. Jennifer's number one love language was physical touch. So what's that mean? If I spend all of my time in our relationship, away from my wife, but I buy her gifts, she will not feel loved. Because she wants me to be by her, sit by her, hold her hand, put my arm around her. She experiences love most through physical touch. Myself, on the other hand, uh, experience love most through quality time. So if Jennifer was always very affirmative, told me how much she loved me, told me how nice I looked today. I'm just throwing things out for reference. Um, But was very affirming affirming in everything that she said and did. Um, That would be great, but if she did that and then never spent any time with me, uh, quality time, you know, going out on dates, sitting and talking, uh, kind of having one-on-one time, then I would not experience love. In, in, in the way that I, I feel needed and, and, and want to experience it. Now, this is important. This is important because so many of us uh, live our lives by never recognizing how our partner wants to have love shown to them. And, and even worse, what generally happens is we live out the golden rule. You know the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would do unto yourself. So, well, I like quality time, So my partner must like quality time. And so we do that without ever realizing that, well, maybe my partner doesn't actually like quality time. Uh, And and so if you're you're showing them affection or or buying them lots of gifts or serving them and, and you're not expressing love in a way that they experience it, then you're not actually showing them love. So that's his argument uh, and, and and a decent way to understand. The second metaphor is also from Chapman. It's in his book as well. And it's called the love tank. Love tank. 
we're going to get some rhyming, love tank, love bank. Think about your vehicle. All of our vehicles run on um, fuel, on gasoline. Uh, okay, there's probably at least one person who drives a hybrid in here who's thinking, well, my car drives on a electricity. Well, okay, I if your car is a hybrid or an electric, then you think about your love tank as your, or your gas tank as your battery charge. Either way, all of our, char all of our cars run on fuel. And if you run out of fuel in your car, what happens? Has anyone ever run out of fuel? Yeah, okay, okay. apparently a mo more than one of you have. Yes, the car dies. The car cannot run without fuel. So the idea of the love tank is that each of us in our relationship has a love tank, and when it's not filled, we begin to feel empty. Uh, think about it like this. In the early stages of our relationships, generally speaking, think how much time we spend with one another. Uh, we text well, kids now, I guess I... We certainly didn't text, or probably most of us didn't text, but we, we talk a lot. Um, we go out on a lot of dates. We think about each other all the time. Um, and each person is constantly running on a full tank of gas because we're constantly giving to one another. Now, Core Survey found that the average married couple spends 15 to 30 minutes of quality time with each other each day over the course of a, a week or a month. 15 minutes a day on average. Now, that's a big difference from the four or five or six hour conversations we used to have when we were first courting each other and first dating and staying up real late and kind of sharing our hearts and our dreams. And you guys did that stuff, right? I don't, I just assume everybody does that. Um, that's what the TV says, so I figured it's good. So we have to make sure that in light of the fact that maybe we don't spend as much quality time as we did when we were kid or when we were dating we're still filling each other's love tanks. Now, now, I'm not saying that it's the job of everyone here to make their spouses happy. I, I don't really believe that. that. That's another thing. But we need to do things, uh, and do things that fill our partners uh, through, through love languages, through other things we're going to be talking about. Uh, so think about it. That's just one metaphor, of course, to think about it. The third metaphor comes from marriage counselors Barbara DeAngelis and Willard F. Harley, Jr., they refer to uh, expressions as love in the heart of our spouse as a love bank. Now, this is an idea that each of us has a bank account kind of built up uh, with uh, love as the currency. Uh, and and the, 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 the income is the love we receive from our partners. So the more love we receive from our partners, the more that bank account is filled. Uh, so again, in the early stages of dating and, and courtship, uh, we're doing a lot for our partner. We're giving and giving and giving, and we kind of build up a fairly decent savings account in the love bank. But then we, uh, you know, we're together a bit longer, and we start to do things that take uh, withdrawals. And we start to withdraw money every time we have a fight, every time we irritate one another, we make a withdrawal. Every time we um, seek intimacy and our partner doesn't, we make a withdrawal. Every time we ask our partner to do something or expect our partner to do something, we make a withdrawal. And, and if we're not making deposits back in the love bank, the funds can run d down and down and down, and eventually the funds can reach zero. And what often happens in a relationship is one or, or both partners 
is trying to make a withdrawal when there's no funds available. And, and when your love bank is empty, you can start to experience feelings of emptiness and loneliness, depression, I think even despair. And, and eventually, just like a bank account, if you keep overdrawing, the account will close and they won't let you take out any more money. And unfortunately, that can happen in a lot of relationships. And, and by that point, it might be too late to save the relationship. So how can we mar- make, start making deposits? We're supposed to be looking out for each other. We're supposed to be serving each other. We're supposed to be mutually, selflessly, sacrificially even, loving each other like Christ loved us. So how can we make deposits? That's what um, kind of all of our metaphors kind of have told us, that we, we need to be honoring each other. We need to be showing each other love. Well, the survey that Core did asked men and women, respectively, what makes you feel most loved? Right? So they looked, uh, in the book it actually breaks it down by four or five different age groups. I kind of did uh, my own statistics because I did that in college, so I figured might as well put it into practice and kind of combine them, just kind of get some general ideas so we wouldn't have to go through all of those. <coughs> uh, but I will break it down for men and women. So here's what men... Um, saw as deposits in their love bank. Having fun together. They wanted to have fun with their partner. Demonstrations of affection. Sexual intimacy. Sharing feelings. Uh, Having their partner share feelings with them is what this is referring to. Listening. Being listened to. And then being complimented. Now, if you asked men, interestingly enough, because I know what you're thinking, because... I'm thinking the same thing. When, when you asked men in this survey if they could choose only one of these things, what they overwhelmingly chose was demonstrations of affection. So these are ways we can uh, serve our partner. Now, women chose similar things. Uh, over the various age groups, we found women valuing these things, sharing our feelings, or, or excuse me, their spouse sharing their, his feelings with her, um, in that case, demonstrations of affection, having fun together, being listened to, compliments, and tender touching. Um, The lists are almost identical, except sexual intimacy was not on the women's lists uh, and tender touching was not on the men's list. But generally speaking, the lists are... Yes, yes, to each his own, indeed. Thank you. Um, Let's not make it any more uncomfortable than we have to. Now, the desire to understand the feelings of our partner came up on both lists. Uh, there, was, there was a desire for um, men to want their spouse, their wife, to share her feelings with them. And there was a desire for women to have their spouse, their husbands, share his feelings with her. What's different and what's problematic in this is men and women generally, although it's, it's particular for each person, generally communicate their feelings differently. Uh, and, and men, generally speaking, again, I'm making broad generalizations here, um, but men generally, when they want to share their feelings or when they want you to share their feelings, women, want you to do it very quickly. So tell me how you're feeling in 60 seconds or less. They want to know but they don't want the essay form. They want the, the abridged version right at the beginning of the essay. 
Women, on the other hand, wanted their mates to share every single detail about how they were feeling with them in a long essay form. Again, it's not every man and woman's like that, but generally speaking. And if we're miscommunicating with each other, we're making a withdraw, not a deposit. So we need to learn how to communicate with each other, even if it's not the way we would like to communicate. And we need to understand how each other communicates. And we'll talk more about that. Now as we close today and and we continue uh, over the next four weeks, digging into this deeper and deeper and deeper. Think about this. Uh, We make a lot of investments for a future. Uh, Most of us uh, put money away in various ways so that we can be secure in our future. Uh, Most of us have pensions or uh, try to put money in savings or try to plan accordingly, try to to, uh, put money in a home or something that we think will last. And we need to do the same thing in our relationships. We need to invest in our marriage and our any relationship really that we want to last, especially our marriage, because if we're not making deposits using the metaphor of the love bank, uh, all we're doing is withdrawing. And if we're not taking the time and the work and the effort to truly make things work, to truly make things better, to truly live up to this kind of partnership that God intended to us, it's not going to work. So we need to invest in our partner every single day. Now, I hope some of the tools we talked about tonight uh, will begin to understand your partner's needs. I do encourage you. Uh, it's www number five. Those listening online didn't see my hand gesture, so that didn't help. FiveLoveLanguages.com, uh, or you can just look up Love Language. As you can both take this survey. It's very short, uh, and maybe that's just one tool you can use. Uh, y- you know, if you are struggling in your marriage, there's a great tool called Prepare and Rich that a Christian counselor can use, or, or even a secular counselor, to help understand how you communicate how your partner, what they value, how they were brought up, a wonderful tool uh, to just understand each other. But most of all, I remind you this, these words from the Apostle Paul. With humility, think of your partner as better than yourself. Instead of watching out for your own good, watch out for what's best for your spouse. Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. We're going to transition now to our time of uh, forwarding and our time of music. Uh, again, I invite you to stay after worship for Taste of New Life. Uh, always a fun, fun time. Uh, I want to remind you, next Sunday we are going bowling at Viking Hills. Uh, I believe 2 to 4. It's in your uh, New Life notes. Um, that's just going to be a good time of fellowship, and you'll uh, learn more about that as we go. I want to uh, invite our friends uh, from Barrington to come forward. Uh, and as we transition, I'd just like to bless you uh, with a prayer, if that's all right, um, and your ministry and what you're doing. So if you'll just come, um, I'll come around front here. Uh, just want to uh, pray for you. Uh, and, and if I uh, can, everybody be in an attitude of prayer. And uh, we will um, just bless and we'll continue to pray Uh, around your ministry and all that you are doing. So I I encourage uh, you and your new ministry and uh, uh, all that you guys do. So uh, let us have just a word of prayer. And if we can just uh, stretch our hands out and uh, 
just uh, being an attitude of prayer over our brothers and sister. Lord, we thank you for uh, this wonderful, uh, wonderful blooming ministry uh, from our friends uh, here who have joined us tonight. We ask that you bless their uh, new church in Barrington, that you allow them to reach not only uh, the communities uh, from India and Pakistan in uh, the suburbs, but also all of those uh, in the suburbs and all of those in the greater Chicagoland area, that they can be those who embody the love of Christ so that all can see, all can be transformed. We pray for every ministry they set their hands to, every place they set their foot to. We pray for their families and their friends back home in India and Pakistan, for the ministries there, uh, for those brothers and sisters in Christ who struggle and suffer all across this wonderful world. We ask that they may truly be blessed, can truly uh, reach the ministry that they're uh, engaging to, and truly uh, share your good news with this world and all people. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Thank you. Let us uh, continue now with our time of praise and worship.